0: Log Talk Radio.
1: This is the National Premier Soccer League Show, hosted by Daniel Feuerstein, the show dedicated to the NPSL club and the fans. Your host, Daniel Feuerstein. Good evening, uh, National Premier Soccer League fans. This is Daniel Feuerstein. Welcome to the NPSL Soccer Show, live on the Feuerstein Spire American Soccer Show. And we got a great show for you guys tonight as the league is about to open up very soon. We're going to get ourselves some soccer very, very soon into the month. It's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. I cannot wait to finally get into some league games. League games um, just popping up all over the place. This is going to be exciting. This is going to be a lot of fun. And you know what? We all hope that this situation... This uh, pandemic, uh, as horrible as it is, as terrible as it has been, um, you know, folks, we're just waiting to see what's going to happen moving forward here and having a full league season playoffs and uh, hopefully we'll get everything going uh, for us as soon as possible. But all I can tell you right now is this, is that the National Premier Soccer League, In my opinion, has done a bang-up job of trying to make sure uh, everyone, when this whole situation got started, everyone was protected, that no one got infected. We all know it's been a real tough challenge for over a year, but things are looking up, things are looking good, things are improving and I have to tell you, everyone, you know, you have to give credit to the league for making sure that they can re-operate a league season uh, safely, making sure all the protocols are in place, not just for you, the fans, but for the players, and the coaches, and everyone else going forward. You know, this situation, if you're watching, whether it be the National Football League, Um, The NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball just got started, you know, just to see what everyone was able to do to get through all these protocols. There had to be some uh, reshuffling, though, uh, going forward with some of these issues. But, you know, once again, trying to get things done smoothly, safely, that is the number one concern right now. The NPSL, and if you also think about it at the same time, let me just say this, and and it has to be said, you know, every single governor in every single state, ladies and gentlemen, let us be honest with everything. Thank goodness that everything has been done, has been taken care of. The complete is now at a percentage of return to outdoor with the excuse me with the uh, outdoor seating of professional sporting games, whether it is in the majors, the minors, the the first division, second, third, fourth division. Thankness that everything has come together. Thank goodness that everything has come into place and that we are able to go out and you will be able to come into your respective stadiums, athletic complexes, however you fill it up. Let us just say, thank goodness. Thank goodness that we are able to go out and have ourselves a season that you can go into. Thank goodness that we're able to have a season that you are able to go into. And everything will be just fine. Now, obviously, there will probably be sometimes. where it might be a little bit difficult than others to get inside. But you know what? Thankfully now there's a clear path. Everything is a-okay. And we don't have to worry anymore about certain situations. And, you know, thankfully where I am, obviously I'm in the northeastern area of New York, New Jersey. 10% 10% capacity for those in New York State, 15% capacity for outdoor professional sports venues, of course, even in the, for NPSL venues. We're just grateful. I'm just grateful that everything, everything is going to be taken care of, that everything has been going strong and smooth. It is just Wonderful, wonderful that we are going to have ourselves a season and that we're also going to have ourselves an opportunity to move forward, try to get back into the swing of things. We just have to concentrate and we just have to make sure that we remain strong and vigilant because this thing's not over yet, folks. This thing is not over yet. Until this complete fiasco is over and done with and we get back to our regular normality, let us remain strong and vigilant, just remain tough, and everything will be just fine. Everything will be just fine moving forward, and we will be safe and sound with everything and anything moving forward and going on. It is absolutely brilliant that we are going to have ourselves a season, and we are very, very grateful that everything has been changed. It's going to change. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be fantastic. I personally cannot wait for this season to get underway. This, my friends, is going to be wonderful. And like I said before, I cannot wait until we get a season ready to go and we're all gonna have some fun. Before we begin with the show, Yes, I understand everyone's concern about the U.S. Open Cup and what they did this season for the tournament for 2021. Now, let me just say this. And, you know, I am the first to really go forward and just say that I don't like the stuff that they have for this edition's tournament. The first round now officially canceled. So that makes things a lot harder and a little bit more difficult than normal. But let me just say that. Because everyone's jumping the gun here. Now let me just say that I understand what everyone is saying. I understand. I completely understand why everyone's upset. This is not a real open cup. How can we do this? How is it possible that we went before the cancellation officially last year two to the three successful open cup tournaments, more spots coming, they, you know, improvements came, everything is wonderful. This is what the open cup should be about. Everything. I'm not disagreeing with all of you. If you are an NPSL fan This is the striving goal you have. This is what you wanted, and this is what you aimed for, and these were the rules of how you qualified and what gets played in the Open Cup. I am a big proponent of the Open Cup. I love the Open Cup. I don't like what I saw. But instead of shouting off, and as you know, I'm not a fan of what U.S. soccer has done in the past, especially with not qualifying for the World Cup. They just did not, or shall I say, they just got themselves eliminated in the semifinals of the CONCACAF Olympic qualifying tournament, which meant Honduras stamped the ticket to go to Tokyo, Japan. And they are now going, along with Mexico, to the Olympic Games, third straight Olympic qualifying cycle that the United States has failed to qualify for. Regardless of who is on the roster, regardless of where they perform at, whether it's an MLS, uh, internationally, you know, college games, it did not matter. Does not matter. They failed. Period. They failed. And U.S. soccer deserves all the negative criticism that they should be able to get and be given right off the bat. But this is where, in the U.S. soccer and the Open Cup Committee, this is where I give them a break. Because let's not forget, you have clubs traveling that they don't use an airplane unless they're forced to and sometimes their budgets are not as strong as an mls or a usl championship league team maybe even a usl league 2 uh, league 1 team excuse me is able to do this sort of situation and once again i'm not happy that the Open Cup has been reduced completely. But once again, this is the situation that we have been put into because of the pandemic. Once this pandemic is completely over, I have no doubt in my mind that U.S. soccer and the Open Cup committee and the commissioner of the Open Cup, Paul Marstaller, will return those spots to the NPSL for the opening first round for 2022. No doubt in my mind, we will get back to normal more. So maybe I'm only guessing here. I'm not an expert. I don't work for the center of disease control, the CDC, not a government official. I would like to try and be a little bit positive if it's possible. I hope we will have this situation ended either by the end of this year or closer to the beginning of next year. I am fully vaccinated. I hope all of you are fully vaccinated. You're off to a great start. But until we get fully vaccinated and until this whole situation is over with, truth of the matter is this. U.S. Soccer and the Open Cup Committee are going to think about our lives first. Our lives, the players' lives, the coaching staff's lives, media's life, depending on who attends these matches and reports on these matches. Until we get to zero pandemic status, for now, just for now, this will happen. If things improve tremendously, I guarantee you, the NPSL spots will return. The USL League 2 spots will return. This is spots will return. Everyone's spots will return. The setup will be back to where it should be. Everything should be fine. Until then, I think we can give, for this time only, I think we can give U.S. soccer a break here. And we all have to remain strong and vigilant Normally, I would be just as upset as all of you would be pandemic-wise. I really believe that for now that U.S. soccer is doing what they have to do to make sure that everyone is safe, everyone is sound, and that we have ourselves a better to where we should be. When it comes to the U.S. Open Cup, just hang on tight, guys. I believe we will see the NPSL get their spots back. And those that were not able to go into the
2: tournament, this
1: year, we'd like to believe they will keep their spots for next year. But until then, for now, let's just wait and see what's going to happen. And as of right now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time to move forward. It's time to have some fun on this show. And tonight, my friends, we're going to start off all the way in California. As the general manager of El Farolito joins me tonight is Mr. Santiago Lopez joining me. Santiago, good evening. How are you? And what is going on, my friend?
0: How's it going? Thank you for having me, you know, to have this opportunity to speak Everything is going well so far, but still waiting on, you know, when we can start, uh, you know, planning some games and get an official kickoff.
1: Absolutely. And you know what? I know it's been probably tough for you. It's been tough for most of the clubs to finally get theirs to get, hopefully get that schedule going and uh, move forward. And, you know, we all want to see everyone get on the pitch, play those 90 minutes, go out there and, uh, Have some fun, you know, get the feeling back in there, especially lower divisions, especially for where you are and your supporters. I know everyone's itching, scratching, getting ready to go out there and have some fun.
0: Absolutely, but we got to be patient, and we truly believe in the and everybody taking all these rules and uh, restrictions and taking control of everything, and and we just got to be more patient. But for the, you know, it's it's right for right now. It's it's okay to. You know, just wait and keep planning for the future.
1: It is. It really, really is. And until then, just got to sit on your hands and just wait till you get the official word. Um, you know, it's been a while, obviously. I know uh, El Ferrellito was in the uh, amateur semi-pro status a long time ago uh, that you went from uh those ranks to the NPSL what made the NPSL such an attractive uh position for this club to uh move up into a, a I would say maybe a comfortable level I mean obviously it's not professional all the way but still though you act professional and you play uh try to play as professional as possible what was that for El Farrelly to come to the NPSL there was a lot of
0: factors. Um you know, playing locally at the same stadium or certain fields for the San Francisco football league. Um, uh, the, you know, the owner, um, who passed away earlier this year, um, and I sat down and we talked, uh, yeah, thank you. We sat down and we talked about, uh, what's the best for our player development and, you know, exposing our players to different environments. And I think, And We thought NPSL, and we still think NPSL is the best uh, league right now in in the U.S. to, you know, travel and and get those uh, mixed type of ages and environments, you know, uh, college players, D1, D2s, or ex-professionals, and it's, we've been very, very happy with this decision, and then, of course, having more of a direct qualification to U.S. Open, we've just like yourself, I am a huge fan of the U.S. Open Cup and I've been following it since basically since probably 91, 92. And um, we always want to participate in that, in that cup. We know the tradition and that's the, the nearest thing we could get to, you know, playing against a professional team in an official match, the closest to we could get to a pro relegation situation in this country.
1: Mm-hmm, absolutely. I mean, you know, the Open Cup, um, I've always told this to everyone, like I never knew about the Open Cup when I was starting to get into, or shall I say get back into the sport, uh, obviously growing up here in New York City. Uh, don't be upset or anything. You probably had the LA Aztecs back in the day, but uh, I had the New York Cosmos. And, you know, when you've had uh, your dose of Pelé and Beckenbauer, you'll never go back, even though uh it, it disappeared, and then it came back, of course, with the 94 World Cup. And then, of course, MLS comes in, and, you know, we're, we have ourselves uh, the sport again, and uh, everything else is now coming together. Um, who were some of your influences when you talk about this wonderful sport that we watch, whether it be within the United States or out?
0: Well, my, my biggest influence, uh, without a doubt, was actually our, our owner and leader, uh, Salvador Lopez, who founded the club in 1985. He founded it through his uh, restaurants that are also called El Farolito, and it's a fast food Mexican chain. And he basically did a huge brand with food, uh, culinary, and, uh, and football. And I, I've been working with him for so many, many years, and learning from him was truly a blessing for me. And I got to see him how um, I'm pretty sure a lot of owners or a lot of people in interested in investing in in soccer in this country are going to end up having to do to go to another foreign country and following him to go to Mexico, Central America, seeing what he did with the third division team and, you know, very, very close to getting promoted to first division in Mexico, seeing the way he handled things and his just his his journey was my biggest influence. And then what he did here for the San Francisco soccer community, the Latino uh, Hispanic uh, community gathering a group of uh, immigrants ex-professionals getting them together playing against you know the first division Salvadorian teams uh and, and those times it was the uh the Greek Americans which were the legendary club here in the Bay Area in the US before MLS came in they were they had some national players getting uh, seeing those type of environments and those games at uh, Boxer Stadium which is one of the oldest soccer specific uh, soccer-specific, uh Stadiums in the country. Growing up
1: here in this uh, area was definitely my biggest influence for the game. That's fantastic, and who would have thought someone like that, uh, your former owner, and once again, we condolences to uh, you and to his family, of course, um, to have all these restaurants, you know, represent not just the community but the the, the club as well, and the amount of popularity that. That he has brought to the community uh, through football. It's just amazing to, you know, hear about these moments. I mean, obviously, you know, you, you talk about certain people that have done so much for the game, whether they come from a different country, but when they come here and they bring that influence to make their, their neighborhood or uh, a town or a community or an area to make them believe in what he believes, that is amazing to hear. That is beautiful to hear.
0: Yeah, and it's something that you know we should definitely. I believe a lot of people are just like myself. We're very uh, we're very happy and appreciative, like still having whatever tiers of football in this country because you have the opportunity to build something from the ground up and 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 share your love, just like what he did. And and it's it's an opposite effect. A lot of people come to the United States to work and make a living and a lot of soccer players leave the country to play and make a living. So it's, a, it's an
1: interesting situation. It really is. It's a fun time. So if I can just ask you this, when you talk about this club and the coaching staff you have, we all know obviously you're going for the three points, but in what style would you say El Ceralito does when they perform on the pitch for 90 minutes?
0: Well, every game is completely different. The scenarios always change. If it's uh, home or away, the field conditions, the opponent, the tables—so many factors in. But we definitely the ball. We like to keep the ball, and uh, whenever there's a chance to get the ball to the other side in two and two touches, we could definitely will try to do it and counterattack. But most importantly, you know, uh, look for those spaces in the in the last. Uh, the last half of the, of the opponent's uh, field and look for more possession. Absolutely. And try to take advantage of the, of the corners and free kicks as well. So we, we try to work a lot on, on those types of set pieces. It's, it's fun for the players in training. They get their creativity out. And one little play like that makes a whole lot of difference in the season.
1: That's absolutely fantastic. Um, And, of course, you know, moving on, uh, that division that you probably perform in must be a really, really difficult division, uh, a difficult conference once again. I mean, we've seen all these teams, um, especially in the West region. I mean, my goodness, Sacramento Gold, the Sonoma County Soul, uh, Contra Costa FC, Academica, Uh, You also have to take on F.C. Davis, Napa Valley, uh, also Oakland Stompers. I mean, there's never a break when you face against these uh, conference sides in the uh, Golden Gate Conference, does it?
0: No, it's it's, it's extremely difficult. I know that other conferences in the country are uh, very difficult as well. Uh, I I don't really – I've never seen a game like that, but I do know there's a lot of – uh, Ex professionals, uh, players, foreign players in the Florida region, and when Cosmos came in Miami as well, they, they really uh, had a very competitive and professional environment, and and a lot of D1, D2 players in the East Coast. But over here, it's a bit different. There's more of a open age adult uh, teams. There's not so much uh, college players, which could be good it could be bad but definitely every single game is extremely intense because every opponent has experience of playing the game which is uh, it's fantastic for our players to you know encounter those type of teams and the coaches they they have the the experience and um, the knowledge of the game so they could any given moment they could just completely change their strategy and and put you in a very tough situation and like you said the history of Stomper's, the history of Soul, of uh, the Gold is fantastic. Academica, which is a great uh, club over there, they have their own stadium and stands and field, which is one of the most beautiful natural grass fields uh, I've seen. It, it's all around; it's just a great conference, and not just in you know the field or uh, sports wise, but personally, they're just a fantastic group of uh, people, and they're becoming friends of mine and. I absolutely love working with them, and it's always always exciting and looking forward to every season.
3: Oh, I bet it is.
1: It must be a lot of fun uh, taking on them. And of course, uh, you know, after the matches are over, you probably hug it out after 90 minutes and say, you know what, that was a lot of fun. Let's try and do that again here. Let's all have some fun. So where in the uh, in the San Francisco area does your club play in?
0: So our uh, our club, like I like I mentioned, was uh, founded through a restaurant, and the restaurants mm-hmm. a couple of locations in San Francisco, mainly in the Mission District. So we consider ourselves, you know, from the Mission District, but we train mm-hmm. in the Excelsior, and we play at Boxer Stadium, which is uh, by Balboa Park, close to the Excelsior, but um, all around here in the, the Bay Area, they either know El Farolito because of soccer or they know El Farolito because of the mm-hmm. restaurant, but they all know and they identify us from the heart of the uh, Mission District.
1: Wow. That's amazing. And, and for all, those of us that are not from this district, obviously myself, I'm on the East Coast, uh, what is it about the district that's, uh, you know, uh, that is a, a nice place to be at? Um, the community, uh, everyone knows each other, I would have to assume. What is it about this district that you reside or the club resides in and everyone that resides in it? You know, what's what's so special about it being in the San Francisco area?
0: It's a historic district because of the uh, Latino and Hispanic uh, influence. There's a lot of uh, restaurants, uh, centers, um, events, that all you know from Central America and uh, North America, which is Mexico, uh, but mostly Central American and, and Mexican. There's not so much of a South American uh, influence, so we have a lot of these events like Carnival, but somewhat related to Brazil. But it's just full of Central and, and Mexican uh, uh, culture in here, and just the the vibe over here is just very very sunny. People are out. Very family orientated. Uh, there's a lot of people outside in their homes. Uh, very loud with music and uh, people running around. And like I said, it's and we have great, great parks around here. A lot of people go outdoors and try to enjoy the little bit of the, uh, the sun that we could get because over here when it hits 70, we're dying and we're we're confused about the weather compared to other places. But we don't complain. Uh, it's, it's a very nice and family oriented place.
1: Now oh, that's fantastic. Yes, I know. I've seen a lot of San Francisco giant games in the summertime on television. Everyone's wearing long sleeve jackets for some silly reason. The Bay is cold. I know that for a fact, but still though, <laughs> sometimes yes, exactly yeah. <laughs> the weather, you can't predict the weather these days. I wish we could, because if I could predict the weather, I'd say ninety degrees entire winter for all of us. But I can't do that, so blame me. Yeah, but we get <laughs> we, we we get we're, we adapt to the situation and we live the winter for So, so once again, uh, you're just waiting for the uh, you know for the right opportunity and the right opportunity hopefully will be coming soon. But the right opportunity was for, for you to come on this show, and I appreciate your time, Santiago. Thank you so much. Have a good luck for this upcoming season once they get underway. And I hope you're going to do well this uh, summer. Take care now. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. Thank you. Santiago Lopez, uh, general manager of El Ferrolito, as, of course, one of the top clubs in California Golden Gate Conference. Now we're going to head on down to the south. And we're heading down to Texas. And, no, there there is a truth, ladies and gentlemen. I have not spoken to this man in a very, very long time. He's brought a friend with him, and obviously his head coach, Mr. John Powell. But let me tell you something. If you talk to Steve Zella, and he's along, not just for his club in the Laredo Heat, but for Laredo, Texas, as well, you know this man does not have a They say, this in Texas, is the biggest part very well, JJ Vella, general manager of the Laredo Heat, and of course he's with his head coach and John Powell. The club gentlemen, good evening, JJ. How are you, my friend? Hey, good good evening. How are you? Good to have. I'm glad
4: you have us again uh, on again. This is awesome. How, how are you?
1: I'm doing very well. Doing very well. It's great to hear from you, John. Good evening. How are you, sir?
3: I'm doing very well. Thank you for having us. How are you?
1: Doing very good. Thank you very much. JJ, I have to say, uh, the last time we spoke, the Rayo Heat Open you know, Cup tear, unfortunately didn't take too long, but you know what? You, you had your name out there and uh, Big Lights and Open Cup Lights, and everything looked pretty solid for you guys uh, during that time. How has the transition since you've moved the club to the NPSL been for you, and What have you noticed that the area knows that Laredo Heat always means business on 90 minutes on that pitch?
4: Well, uh, I'll rattle your brain here a little bit. That was in 2014 when we played the Houston Dynamo and lost only 1-0 in the fourth round of the Open Cup. So that's what we were making reference to. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's been a while, seven years since since we've talked and uh, since we made that run. And uh, switching from uh, what was the PDL, which is now the USL2, and now we're playing in the NPSL, at the end of the day, uh, and I think that we you might have seen it or you might have read it, uh, the transition was made basically when we left after the uh, 2017 season. It was done because at that time there weren't enough teams in the USL2. There was only basically Midland. Houston, Laredo, and Mississippi, and we had to play 14 games amongst each other, and it was tough from a travel standpoint. What has changed as we began playing in the uh, NPSL, we have uh, eight teams, and they're all in Texas, and our furthest travel is up to Dallas, and there's three teams there, so it's very convenient for us. We have a team just three hours away in Brownville, uh, so not not bad. So the transition uh, going from uh, USL to PDL to MPSL has been uh, very positive for us,
1: and that's great to hear. Obviously, you want better competition, more competition. I mean, don't get me wrong; it's nice to take on certain sides that you knew familiar, uh, you were familiar with. But you when know, it's only been reduced by how many clubs, and you know, you can't play any other clubs within the same conference. Yeah, to stick to that. I didn't mean, for making the move, and you know, Mike Smith, the up and down, the entire state of Texas, especially, uh, of the uh, the Sox in Big uh, Bend, Odessa. You know, that's probably a bit of a trip, but still the Jensen Diablos. Um, you got FC Brownsville the Fort Worth, Texas, 8 uh, 95 and of course high seas I don't know. I'm assuming they're probably somewhere in Texas, but you know that's not a bad bunch of clubs. And nice.
4: Uh, You're breaking up a little bit. I apologize. Like uh, I think I did hear you. You covered all of our teams. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I did. Can you hear me? Oh so, yeah, yeah. So I can hear you now. Perfect. Yeah, I can hear you.
1: Good, good. So yes, I know I was covering all of your cl- all the clubs, all the teams that are in your uh, in your conference. That's that's you know that's uh, that's going to be a big fight and a big challenge for Laredo, isn't it?
4: It will, but I'll leave that up to Coach to take care of.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, go ahead, John. So, you know you got a tall task to take on the clubs.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, being with the organization since 2018, when when, uh, we came back, if you will, and uh, saw the level, and it was definitely growing. And then I think two seasons ago, obviously, because we lost out on the season last year, I think it was obviously in everyone's best interest, a great decision for everyone involved to take the health and safety of everybody as a priority. But the league is very, very good across the nation, but especially in in our region, and it's going to be a tall task, but our coaching staff has been working now since, I mean, January of 2019 identifying, recruiting, and finding the top players that we feel like can help achieve the goals that we want to achieve.
1: That's great. Now, if I can ask you this question, what did JJ do to entice you to come to Laredo (laughs) <laughs> or if you were in the vicinity, you could be a part of the – I mean, I, look, he has his own magic. That I know. I, I don't have Absolutely. to tell you anything. You've finger and everything, it's fine. But reality, if I could ask you that, JJ, get you to really come to Laredo and make the Laredo Heat what you would like it to be uh, on your own terms, obviously. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I I think from the first time I met JJ and the ownership group Bishwanis in in 2018, I mean there's immediate connection. Their love for the their love for the game, their love for developing youth soccer players in this country, um, and their absolute obsession with um, you know again the game itself is probably what we bonded over right away. But I mean you you obviously know JJ pretty well. He's a fantastic person and. Uh, I can't. I couldn't imagine coaching a, any other team. As soon as I was out there in 2018, I'm hooked. And, and like I tell them all the time, they're family. So, I don't know if there was one thing that JJ did. I mean, he definitely bought me a lot of taco palenque when I was out there and palenque grill. I think that's so, what it was. You know, it was. That's probably what it was, huh, Jay? That's that's definitely what it was, at least the starting point.
1: And then it uh, ranked up to uh, tequila and a margarita, then a sangria. <laughs> I understand all- who <laughs> does not join JJ's crew then you know what nothing else will but I'm glad to hear that uh, so if I can add, so John you know uh, as running the club obviously on the pitch for 90 minutes um, what type of style uh, and tactics do you use to get those those three point victories for JJ and the town of Laredo
3: yeah I think I think it's, it's become, you know, in my coaching career, a big part of me is to play attractive football, is to, to dominate possession, um, be able to, to build from the back, play throughout the thirds of the field, create numbers up, and ultimately, like I said, dominate the possession, but dominate the, the dangerous looks in the match. And I think a little piece of it, too, coming from the college game as well is it's always great that that's your goal and we want to play and we want to play an attractive style but we also have guys that understand that the game is unpredictable. The game can be cruel at times. So we set up to make sure that we are very sound in transition. We set up to where we're sound on set pieces. And if if it's a game that's going a little bit direct in nature, we set ourselves up to play still our our brand of football based on our principles of play, but maybe off the knockdown. So maybe whereas we're used to building the ball from a goal kick, maybe – we're now picking the ball up at the midline, and that's when the players put their stamp of creativity on the game. So, my my coaching staff and I are on the same page. Have been since, like I said, about January 2019. As we've kept growing our relationship and, and working together, um, our job is to get our players into the final third. Once we get our players in the final third, it's really hands off. We might tell them what we would like, what you know, you know, stay true to our principles. But that's where we want the boys to to take players on, be creative, and and leave their mark on the match.
1: Uh, Obviously, you know, JJ has mentioned about that big Open Cup run. Uh, We all know that the Cup is also a very important run as well, but, you know, that's the big goal. That's the national goal, you know, ESPN involved in the Open Cup broadcasts. Um, When you were talking with JJ, and I'll let JJ also answer, but I want you first, John. You know, when It's your turn, hopefully, to qualify for the Open Cup. You know, what does that mean to you? We all know what it means for JJ. Believe me, I know what it means for JJ. But from you, you know, Cup, German Cup, uh, French League, French Cup, you know, Spanish Cup, you know, Scottish FA Cup, you know, when you get that opportunity to go for the national tournament, what does that mean for you?
3: Yeah, I think. If you know JJ, I feel like you, you know me as well. Uh, I'm I'm quite obsessed with with the mat, the game. I'm obsessed with uh, trying to achieve perfection on the pitch as a as a coach. It means a great deal because I'm so invested in the Laredo Heat as as a family, not just as an organization, not just as a football club. So that's been communicated from the very beginning that those are the expectations. That's the the big wish list, if you will, and and that's it aligns with with who I am as a person and who I am a coach. I want to, to win it all. And I, I want to do it in a style that provides entertainment to a fantastic city. You know, the city of Laredo is just a special place. So I'd love to hear what JJ says, but that's, that's my response to that.
4: I'll, I'll tend to agree with you, uh, coach, um, JP, um, we, we made runs before we played. Uh, we were very consistent, um, players in the open cup. And, uh, we haven't been over the last few years since we came into the MPSL, but it's definitely something that we – you mentioned that, uh, Dan, you you try to win the league, and then, of course, from there, it just becomes a run uh, with the way the, the stats go and everything like that. We qualified after our um, 2018 season, uh, played in 2019, got an opportunity to play, lost to San Antonio SC, And uh, so we expect – one, as uh, coach mentioned, to win uh, the league title, and then after that, you start playing in playoffs, and, and you just start qualifying, and that's how we end up qualifying for the Open Cup. As you know, uh, that's how you place in the MPSL, and winning your your league title helps. So, uh, yeah, the expectations are there, as coach mentioned, and he, and he knows about it. Uh, he's known about it since 2018. Uh, so, so. We he, we don't hide anything of that. Our expectation is to win and to be successful. And he does a really, he does a really good job. And we're, We were going to play uh, last year, and unfortunately we did not because of COVID, and he was going to be the head man. And now we're, he's
1: going to show us what he can do. And
4: I'm, I'm fully confident that uh, we've got a good guy at the helm.
1: And that's great to hear. And obviously there's a lot of uh, history with Laredo, once again, as I've said. Um, you know, obviously your personality, J.J., has definitely made this club fun to watch. Uh yeah, Obviously, everyone loves to come to see not just the club; they like to come see JJ. What's the point even <laughs> to have a club? Just, oh, come on now! Full of energy, a ball of energy you are. Come on now, JJ.
4: <laughs> oh, I wish we could get more people out there then. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. No, it it is fun out there. It is fun. And I mentioned uh, I was we were listening to Santiago earlier, and he said that uh, it's 70 degrees where he's at. And uh, needless to say, everybody always asks us, "How come we kick off at 8:15?" That's where time uh, 8:15 uh, Central Time. And I uh, said, so "There's a reason what we're called the Laredo Heat. That uh, by 8:15, it's when it basically drops down to about 100 degrees, and the sun goes down, and it's comfortable to play."
1: So is that it then? You're going to have all these uh, dunking tanks all over the place after the game. Get yourself wet. <laughs>
4: <laughs> the the ice baths are popular after the game.
3: <laughs> yeah, I bet they are. Players, coaches, fans, everybody.
1: Hot dog vendors, <laughs> drink vendors, did everybody. <laughs> That's great to hear. That's that's wonderful, and all I can say is, um, you know, JJ. Obviously, it's always fun to have you on the show. It's just been a ball of fun. And before I go away, um, do you still have your uh, your play by play man still calling the games, or has he retired? No, no,
4: no. Oh, JP and I love Rodrigo Barina. So if you're listening, Rod, I know we gave you the uh, the info on this, uh, shout out to Rod. The hot Rod is uh, the man. JP, I know JP can't say
3: enough about Rod. No, I've, I've had a chance. of I've listened to a lot of play-by-play in my day, and there's no one better. Rod's not only a fantastic person, he's, he's fantastic on the mic. Does an amazing job for, the, for our organization.
1: You know he could always be duplicated on the voice, but he'll never be duplicated with the heart he has for that club. I'll tell you. I remember you had, I remember I called you up and said, "Love you on the show," and boy, he was great. And you know, uh, I love him no matter what. Like that. Gentlemen, thank you, gentlemen, for your time. Uh, good luck once the season does get underway, and hopefully uh, you have a, a successful season. So have a good night, JJ John. You have a good night as well. Thank you very much, and have a good, and take care.
3: Thank you for having us. Appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Take care. Take care. Thank Bye. you. No problem.
1: Coach of Laredo Heat is John Powell. The General manager is J.J. Vela. Always a fun time to have this on. And uh, once again, thanks for coming on. Uh, this is an absolutely fun time, and I hope everyone is enjoying the show as well. Once again, this is the National Premier Soccer League show on the Forest Fire American Soccer Show. As we move on to our next guest, the next two clubs coming on, of course, are expansion sides. One of them is uh, near me. Well, not very close. I'm probably closer to New York City than uh, the state of uh, the state capital of, of New York, which is in, based in Albany. But it's also a great time to get to say hello and learn about a brand new uh, owner of the New York Shockers. Now, if I, what's your name? Which I'm trying not to. But if I, do, you can let me know, and I'll put in ten bucks in the
4: uh,
1: butcher jar for you, if it's possible. Uh, this is Mr. Afirm Nizai. Afirm Nizai. Nahi.
2: Hello? No, Nizai. Yes, sir. So Nizai. Like Nizai. An Thank an you holiday. very much. Yeah, you got it. The, the yeah. day is just like an hour. Right.
1: Gotcha. Afirm Aff- Nizai. Okay. Gotcha. You got- Perfect. Welcome to Perfect. the show. And this is the, the owner of the New York Shockers that's going to start their season in the, uh, Eastern, uh, region. They'll be in the North Atlantic conference Sir, before we even get to your opponents. How did you get your love into soccer? And, uh, at the same time with the world sport football, how'd you get into the, into the sports and why did you want to build your own club? And of course, be a part of this now. Well, there's a lot
2: there. Um, I was an immigrant, came here when I was 10 years old to this country, so naturally everyone assumed I would play soccer, but I actually played your typical sports that kids play in the street, basketball, football, softball, and then around the age of 14, someone said, hey, you should be playing soccer, so I started that, and then, obviously, I just kept playing and playing and went to University of Albany here in Albany and got pretty good at soccer, so I liked soccer. It became my favorite sport and. Played professionally and somehow found a way to make a living from from soccer by building soccer facilities, you know, indoor sports facilities. And I've been hooked in soccer, I guess, since they asked me to play when I was fourteen.
1: That's fantastic to hear. Of course, now, now you university or the SUNY Albany? Yeah, SUNY
2: Albany. You know, you and I would call it SUNY Albany. Now they call it U, U at Albany. Oh, they, so Albany. so the Sunys are, now. yeah. They've changed the name. They've rebranded. You know, it used to be called SUNY Albany, SUNY Potsdam, SUNY
1: Plattsburgh. Now, right. U Albany. Okay, and for some of you that are not are not familiar with that or are not from New York State, SUNY stood uh, SUNY stood for State University of New York. So that's why. Or if you are a uh, New York City university. It would be CUNY, the City University of New York. So that's the thing that you know, because I'm originally from the Bronx. I know all these things, and you know, when it comes to New York State and everything like that, or the CUNYs uh, going up and down, whether it's the statewide or the citywide. So that's what I meant, means, ladies and gentlemen. For those of you that are not familiar uh, with the acronym, so you know, just to ask. I mean, obviously, you know, they've they've developed some pretty good players at. Albany, obviously, um, in the state capital of uh, New York. And, uh, you know, you probably have a couple of uh, uh, players that have played, uh, moved forward, probably with an MLS, USL, probably also NPSL. Uh, how many of those players do you know they're either still active or uh, are coaching now, or they're probably part of this Shockers side that you're bringing over? Um,
2: Well, The soccer in semi-pro hasn't existed or or top-level soccer hasn't existed for about 12 years here, so it's kind of been a hiatus. There have been plenty of teams before that that played um, in in different leagues, ASL and so forth, USL. But, yeah, there's been players. I mean, Lee Shantrit was one that made it out of UAlbany, uh, played with the U.S. football team for many years, was a really good indoor player. There have been a bunch that have played MLS.
1: No, that's pretty good. That, that, that's pretty good to hear. So how did you get involved in owning a club? Well,
2: I played, obviously, on multiple teams and enjoyed that experience. And then as I got older, I became an owner of a team or two, or actually even a third. And so I enjoyed the experience. And whenever we ran one of those teams, people would say, this is a great experience. People would enjoy it. You know, you get people to a game. It's exciting. There's music playing. In this area, you can have a, a, a good high school game, and you might get 30, 40 people attend. You put one of these games on this top level semi-pro thing, and we can get 800, 800 to 2,000 people. So it gives an opportunity for a good environment.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, they want to see some of these players probably from within the Albany area, and then hopefully they can move on forward and uh, get into a bigger club. But obviously the Shockers, it sounds like they're, you got yourself a pretty good setup going forward. Where are you going to be playing uh, your home matches at? So I've built
2: a, a sports facility that has a dome and 4 turf fields outside. It's a, you know, it's a sports complex, a sports park, and one of the fields, when we built it, we built it so that there would be seating to, so it's a stadium. So we'll be playing at, you know, the stadium here in Colony, which is, we owned it, the club, I owned it myself. So it's good to own the field, to own the clubhouse, to own the restaurant. It's pretty good.
1: <laughs> That's wonderful. Now, you said you're an immigrant from, to the United States. Where's your family originally from and uh, how long? Uh, as you've been in our country, and of course, you know, being and I, obviously you're uh, promoting the game here within Albany. But uh, from where is your family originally from?
2: So I was born in Kosovo, which is, you know, the southern part of Yugoslavia, what used to be Yugoslavia. Now it's Kosovo. Um, and I came to the United States when I was 10.
1: So I grew up in the Bronx. Did you
2: say you were from the Bronx?
1: I was born in the Bronx, Grand Concourse, East 202nd Street. Whoa, whoa. I
2: grew up on 188th off of Grand Concourse. No. Yes. Really? <laughs> you remember Alexander's
1: store on Grand Concourse? Yes. Wow. There's what just, a small world, got, huh? No. So, so, you're south, so you're south of Fordham Road. You got it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So then you used to go to the movie theater, the Big Lows. Didn't you? You got it. The big lows on the yeah, top base. on the other oh my God, look at this is crazy. No way. Yeah. Look at yeah, that. that was a big
2: that was a big theater. That was one movie theater. Remember that? That one movie theater. used okay. to be movie theaters? It was one movie theater. I think it seated three thousand people. Now if you go there, I think it became twelve movie theaters.
1: Yep, yep, that's what it did. And uh how you call it. I remember I saw uh, – <laughs> this is going to become another Bronx, uh, uh, old-time Bronx <laughs> discussion show now. Boy, this is, this is crazy. Um, I remember yeah. the old RKO Fordham where I probably saw yeah. Greece And, uh, well, I was a kid back in the day, you know, the old the Raggedy Ann and Andy movie. I probably saw that there too uh, all the way on uh, Fordham Road and the Concourse. I cannot believe this. Oh, my God. This is awesome.
2: Yeah. So we grew Another, up
1: in the same neighborhood. Yep. 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 Well, yeah, you're a little more you're a little more south than I was. I mean, I was by yes. my my yeah, parents. You're... Um. Yeah my my parents uh, owned a hardware store in Bedford Park Boulevard uh, near Webster Avenue. So. Um, yeah. So you
2: were north of it. Yeah. I, I went to DeWitt Clinton. I went to DeWitt Clinton High School, which was you know not far from you. That's a little yeah. closer, but yes. Yes. So you were more east. Yes.
1: That's amazing! Oh my god, you were,
2: you, were, you were close to botanical gardens.
1: Yes, yes, I yeah. To the New York Botanical Garden, bit of a hike to the Bronx Zoo. Of course, Fordham University. That's a huge campus. Of course, not just on Fordham Road, but it goes all the way towards Bedford Park Boulevard. Maybe a little short of it, but I know the the whole area. It's like you know, very close to each other. Um, for those of you not knowing, Dewitt High School in the Bronx. It's along the Mashaloo Parkway, and very famous actors and, uh, you know, uh, rock band artists used to go there. Uh, Obviously, Robert Klein used to go to that high school. Uh, He lived in the Woodlawn area, and uh, I don't know if you're a big rock fan, but uh, Ace Fraley is from my neighborhood. Wow. Yeah, from Kiss. Yeah. Yes. Uh just a Mar yeah, he was like on Marion Avenue and two hundred and first street where he lived over there. Between near near my parents' store. So yeah, that's you know, the Wood High School and how you call it, uh Penny Marshall used to live on the concourse before you get to the uh Mashaloo Parkway uh entrance. Who so she just recently passed away obviously. But yeah, her and her brother used to live uh on the concourse just before it ends at the Marshall Parkway. That's amazing, man.
2: That
1: is crazy. So, so, oh,
2: my so, so, so that's my story. I, I grew up there. And then when I went to University to Albany, I just never wanted to go back because I had gotten my thrill of New York City. I was one of those kids that, I've I lived in the city. Now I want to live like where somewhere where it's different. Whereas, you know, for people from Albany always seem to want to go live in New York City.
1: I was the reverse. Yeah. Well, of course, because everyone in Albany wants to be where the where the big action is. It's in the city.
5: Exactly. I mean, myself. Yep. I, mean,
1: you know, I, visited, I visited Westchester County. Like you know, that's just the first that's the first county north of the Bronx. I would always go to Westchester because how do you call it, Yonkers, with my pet. Now, let me ask you this: before, <laughs> I can't believe how much time we got left over this in this segment. <laughs> but real quick, um, <laughs> to the in Yonkers uh, on Central Avenue to the Big Nathan's. That used to be on Central Avenue with the game room. Do you remember that place? Yep. It's, well, you know, it's, it's, it's gone now, unfortunately. But, you know, hey uh, oh. that's like my childhood, too. We might have bumped into each other. We just didn't even know it at the time. But it's pretty cool. Yeah. But anyway, let me let, me, let me go here because I know we, have, we don't have much time left here in this segment. But, you know, I want to get to your uh, conference right now. Of course, you're in the uh, North Atlantic Conference. Um, You're going to be taking on uh, Boston City FC, Greater Lowell, um, Rough Diamonds. There's Hartford City, not too far. Um, There's also Vale FC. But are you really looking for to have the big, big dark match against uh, Kingston Stockade? Of course, Kingston, New York is probably a little more south than where you are, but... Or maybe a little bit more north, but still, though, you know that's going to be the big rivalry up there between you and uh, and Kingston. You know that's going to be very interesting to see what you those two yeah, New York gonna be, uh, State teams are going to do.
2: Yeah, they're they're about an hour south of us. They really draw well. They draw they can draw up to a thousand fans a game, which is really nice. And so when we play them, we expect to have a good rivalry I'm looking forward to it. I spoke to the to the owner actually two days ago and we picked each other's brains on how to make you know this be very successful
1: it's amazing that's great to talk um that you know he's a nice guy uh very i've had him on my show many many times during open cup runs that he had and hopefully and hopefully i can have you back on the show to talk a little bit more about your club but you know you're from <laughs> you, you you went to the bronx i'm from the bronx <laughs> Oh, my God, this is unbelievable. You never know if you're going to meet someone from the borough, you know what I mean? And you have, like, a whole freaking discussion. It's fantastic. Uh very I will talk to you again soon. I want to have another moment with you. Uh, we'll talk more about your club. But good luck this year once the schedule comes out and hopefully get, you, get your uh, league season underway. Thank you again for the time and, of course, the trip down memory lane. I have. I have a. Good, thank you. Uh, thank I'll you. Have a, hope you have a. Good, thank you. Have a good night.
2: Thank. Thank you. You have a good night too. Bye bye.
1: Thank you, you too. Bye bye. And that is a Frim Nijas, owner of the New York Shockers, based out in Albany, New York. And uh, as we are moving on, of course, we go from New York State, New York City, anywhere in New York, because it's, you know, it's home for me, home for him. But you know what though hopefully it'll be a fun time over in Albany. my next guest and my final guest is a brand new owner of a brand new expansion club over in oklahoma city this is oklahoma city 1889 fc joining me right now is the owner of that club and mr dustin hooker and it's great to have him on mr hooker good evening how are you tonight how are you doing very well uh so if I can just ask you this, when what made you want to start your own club? Why the NPSL? And how well in the community are you that they are going to back you for this club starting this year?
5: Uh, so, kind of, we got into it um, probably 2000, uh, I want to say 2015. Uh, we, we started a club. Uh, which basically was it was like a traveling rec club for um, college kids. Uh, we went down and they were called the the Pulse, so Oklahoma City Pulse at the time. Um, and then we we kind of we played FC Dallas's under 23s and we played a couple of teams kind of with the contacts that we had, and played some uh, some MPSL teams and some PDL teams that were coming through. And we kind of just it was just a lot of kids who were either not interested in playing in the summer, but just wanted to stay fit, or all boys that didn't get on other places and and kind of just wanted to, to be part of something. So it started back in 2015, and it, it's kind of grown from... It literally was a traveling rec team um, to to now we played in the UPSL last year, uh, and we did very well. We've had a couple of good good years, a couple of conference titles, region titles, all, all that good shebang, and now we've kind of turned it into taking it to the next level you know i've got partners in in the club and i think our our leadership and ownership group have kind of said you know what let's make, let's make this thing as as big as we can um we've got a, a fairly well connected community because a lot of the people and players that we use are all local guys so they're already in the, the community forefront and that they're seen by peers and they're seen by people locally um and can relate to them, you know. Like we've got a couple of older boys who've club now for three or four years, who who coach local youth teams and things like that. So our connection to the community is is growing there each year. Uh, you know how excited kids get to see their coaches and things like that playing on the field. So um, our community uh, community reach is really really kind of getting there. You know, obviously we're in a competitive market with the with a professional team in the Oklahoma Energy. Um, we're probably about 20 to 30 minutes safe for those guys so we're kind of branching in different kind of areas and um and things like that so yeah i mean our communities we're growing you know we're a small club but we're getting we're getting there
1: that's fantastic uh just to ask where are you from originally and how long have you been in the oklahoma city area
5: i've uh, been in uh Oklahoma City since two thousand and ten i'm um, originally from England um so we've got here two thousand and ten I got here so and oklahoma city i'm just kind of i've tried to leave I promise but I just can't get out of here It just holds me in for some reason so uh um i am here to stay and got now got a family and everything like that that i'm bringing up so i think it's a it's a good city with good people you know it's it's growing growing every every year i still when I go home and I, everyone's like, oh, where are you at now? Where are you? I'm like, well, I'm in Oklahoma City, so i Oklahoma, what's that? Um, so it's growing, you know. I enjoy it. I love the life. I love the, the kind of – the tornadoes scare the hell out of me still. But, hey, can't can be perfect <laughs> in everyone.
1: No, you can't be perfect in everything. So you play the old the old, uh, the old uh, movie soundtrack of Oklahoma. You send it to your family. They'll say, hell, oh,
5: here he is. He's calling home. <laughs> we certainly have. We ser- and, did you know, we've actually kind of our PR guy, he's been talking about actually playing that before, before games and as we come out. Um, so I'm not sure how well we'll connect with that song with the young younger crowd, but certainly the older crowd, I think, would, uh, it would certainly get them going.
1: That probably is true. So uh, now that you are part of the NPSL, um, I mean, I would have to assume before you even decide to go there, Uh, Or this league? Um, Did you look at any of the other leagues? That you know, what did did, like? Did this just just tickle your fancy? Or were they the first one to contact you? Love to have this club be a part of the league. What what happened with that? If I can ask.
5: So a couple of years ago, we we approached, and it was kind of one of those where we were looking at a couple of options, and uh, at the time we were kind of talking talking to Tulsa Athletics, and they were kind of guiding us through the the process and things like that and at the time we kind of felt we weren't ready you know we were playing out of a high school uh, training at a high school Um, although it was grass it wasn't kind of ours. so we kind of said you know what we're going to go UPSL for a couple of years we're going to see how this thing grows you know because if we're not getting any support at that level well it's probably not viable to go to the next level if if we can't sustain it Um, so obviously you've got the USL2 and we kind of looked at that and the rules, the travel, the the lack of kind of international spots, that sort of thing, because where we're based in Oklahoma City, there's a lot of NAIA programs. So a lot of our pool is NAIA, and I'm sure you know NAIA has a lot of international people uh, within their kind of student body. So a lot of our kind of players that we bring in are either – kind of resident green card residents or they are international students so our kind of our push towards the MPSL was because they're a lot stronger on the international side you know they 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 kind of embrace that side of things say yeah come bring him in we want to see him play want to be that platform for for those guys whereas as you know kind of the usl2 kind of shuns shuns them out um and makes it for much more for the american players which again I've no problem with that that's that's I think that's important you have that feeder line into the next level um but for us as a club and uh, our kind of demographics and our player pool it just wouldn't be viable um so that's kind of where we went to the MPSL that side obviously when we spoke to kind of the leadership groups of the MPSL they were very kind of in certain standards um and for us you know it's Player experience is massive. You know, we want to make sure the players enjoy themselves. We want to make sure that the players are go back to their college programs or go go away and say, you know, that that was the great summer of my life. Even if I was in Oklahoma City and we're bringing them in from California or, or Florida and places like that, we want to make sure that their player experience is the best. Um, so when kind of the MPSO has said, hey, these are the standards that we set for each team, this is what the bare minimum is. Um, and you compare those with other leagues and other things like that, and their their lights out better for us and what we want to promote within the club and what we want to give back to our players. It was just a no brain,
1: yeah, that's great to hear um I have to ask you, I know, as you say you're from England, where in England, what club and uh
5: um, you know I to draw here, but yeah. i uh... I grew up in uh, Bristol so I'm southwest England uh, but I'm actually oh. I'm Liverpool through and through my granddad grew up in in uh, Merseyside and was season ticket holder and kind of that's where a lot of my time was spent when I was watching games was was Liverpool and Anfield so yeah I'm I'm Liverpool through and through although I I get a lot of stick because of my accent doesn't sound anything like a Scouser um and ah uh, you don't know said, well <laughs> We got family out there, so I, I can claim it, I guess. You can claim
1: whatever you want. I'm not here to interfere with that stuff. But uh, <laughs> I'll admit, uh, I, I, I'll admit, I was gonna guess either Tottenham or Arsenal. I wasn't quite sure, but I want because like you know, many people, <laughs> many, many, many uh, English people. are. I'm from London. Like really, where are London? I like to know. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, it's obviously do. London. Well... I had had to go with Liverpool because, I mean, I set – my life, I set certain standards. And unfortunately, Tottenham and Arsenal do not live up to those standards that I set. So I uh, had to stay well (laughs) away from those.
1: Them's fighting words, you know that. No. (laughs) But I have to ask you, though, now that you have your own club here, Obviously, the FA Cup has been huge in England. Everyone around the world watches the FA Cup. They want to see who's going to be the national champion of the sport in England. Um, yeah. Is that one of the goals that you are going to have with Oklahoma City 1889? You want to go for that Open Cup run? You want to be in the Open Cup? You want to be part of the national title uh, run for this club?
5: 100%. You know, that when. I know we get spots and everything like that. A hundred percent, we are the magic of of the FA Cup, as they say. um, uh, The world, well, the US, US Open is the the exact same. You know, obviously, you get these these underdogs and these small little towns that no one's ever heard of. They get a couple of results, and then all of a sudden, they go into these these stadiums. And if you go to the right stadium, you may be playing in front of five, seven thousand people. Um, so that's something that money can't buy. As a player, as a coach, as an ownership group, you know, having having little old Oklahoma City eighteen eighty nine go up against an F C Dallas or a Houston Dynamo even going up to Kansas City if we if we kinda of get that run playing in those stadiums, giving the players the experience and then who knows, maybe you, you nick a result here and there and then all of a sudden you're you're on national T V and your players are getting interviewed off e s p n and all of a sudden they everyone's talking about you um whereas if if we didn't have that opportunity to go up against those guys, we're always in the shadows you know everyone likes everyone loves giant killers um and someone's got to kill them so for us i i we look forward to that more than anything, I hope we can kind of qualify and get into that because that is something that I think is very special um, to players and coaches and and everyone who's involved in it, you know?
1: Absolutely. Look, I've had J.J. Villon from Laredo Heat. They had their run back in the day in 2008. I mean, you can go to the current clubs right now. I mean, obviously, FC Cincinnati before they went to MLS. Uh, Miami FC had their run until they got stopped by FC Cincinnati. And, of course, the one that we always talk about is – Christos FC, which now their side is going to be in Baltimore, even though they have their regular side in the amateur levels. Um, You know, no one could ever forget their run. No one could ever forget their goal against DC United when they opened the scoring in a normally in a stadium where it's DC United's home, uh, away from home, for Open Cup run. And uh, it felt like a road game because they had probably 95% of the crowd all for Christos. You'll probably look up that goal. Uh Amadou Konse if you go to YouTube open cup goal um that was probably back in 2017 that broke the news and how they nearly outlasted DC United a four-time MLS Cup champion uh almost until they just ran out of gas in the middle of the second half but I'll tell you if you can make that run happen uh, if you do qualify for the Open Cup, definitely, then your names will be in lights, and it's going to be big.
5: Yeah, I mean that's what that's what we all live for. If you, if you say anything other than that's what we don't live for, you're either lying or delusional.
1: That's right, absolutely. Talking about your conf- your uh, conference right now, I mean you got yourself some tough opponents. We'll get to your neighbors in a moment, but. You got Arkansas Wolves, an expansion team, uh, Dallas City, The Demise, uh, the Ozarks. You also have um, Rain uh, FK. And now, of course, uh, Oklahoma rivals now, Tulsa Athletic. Um, I got to say, very accomplished. They're very strong. Uh, I know you're probably good friends, but, you know, once you get on that pitch, friends no more until the 90 minutes are up. Certainly,
5: yeah. What well, friends until the white lines cross, for sure. Um, That's right. Now, I mean, obviously Tulsa Tulsa Athletics have been around a very long time. You know, uh, we've got players who when in college actually played for for the Athletics. You know, they've got fantastic history, like you said, and they do things in a, in a very well well-rounded way. You know, so. When you when you kind of get the schedules and everything comes out, you always look for certain fixtures, like we all do. Um, and that's certainly one that we will be looking for. Uh, I think in terms of the rest of the league, you know, it's a lot of talent, right? Because we know, I know well the, the college game around here, a lot of the areas that these guys are pulling from. Um, so I know I know the standards that they're going to be at. And we know we're going to have to be on top of our game every single game. There can be a day where we have a bad day and we get a result. It's if we have a bad day we may be looking at double figures because of the talent that these teams have. Um, it's a very well established and well kind of organized organised conference. Um and for us to be a part of it is is really a privilege. You know, there's some fantastic teams in that conference. Um there's some new ones, you know, and they're excited to play against those guys as well. Uh, but yes, Tulsa Athletics, they are, they're going to be, we're going to be the noisy neighbor for a couple of years and then they'll be our noisy neighbor. So hopefully.
1: Hopefully. Well, let's hope you make enough noise and maybe rattle some chains. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, but let me just say this, uh, Dustin, good luck to you in the NPSL. I hope you have plenty of success and uh, you have a good night, sir. And well, welcome to the league and uh, good luck.
5: I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me, and uh, have a great, fantastic weekend.
1: Thank you, you too. Have a good night.
3: Bye. Bye. Cheers.
1: So that is Mr. Dustin Hooker, owner of Oklahoma City OKC 1889, as we are going to finish off this show tonight. And just to tell you, it is crazy. It is a wild, wacky, fun show. The brand-new owners, great to talk to current clubs, and, of course, a man I haven't spoken to in a very, very long time on this show, and hopefully uh, he'll continue to do well uh, for himself and his club. Of course, of course, I'm talking about Laredo Heaton, J.J. Vela, and, of course, uh, hopefully his head coach will have a good, solid season, John Powell, moving forward. But all I can say is this, is that uh, we're getting closer, hopefully, to the start of the NPSL season schedule comes out, we're all going to have some fun. We're all going to take care of ourselves. And it's going to be exciting just for me, but for you guys and for everyone else moving forward here as we get this 2021 NPSL season underway. And hopefully everything will be set off, going off without a hitch. And it's going to be a lot of fun. But I want to thank my guests for tonight. I want to thank Santiago Lopez. Uh, general manager and head coach of El Feralito. J.J. Vella; general manager. John Powell, head coach of Laredo Heat. Owner of the New York Shockers. And Afrim and of course, just now, Oklahoma City OKC 1889's owner, Dustin Hooker, uh, for joining me tonight. This will do it for uh, this episode of the National Premier Soccer League show uh, here on the 46th American Soccer Show. My this coming Monday night. We'll have another regular show. My good friend, Darius Shirzani, Project Goal in Rhode Island, pro- outside of Providence, in the Providence area, will be joining me. And then uh, we will have on Carter Krishnar, our, our member of the uh, Premier Amateur Soccer League, to talk about uh, the clubs that are coming in and what else will be going on as well. And then, of course, next week, very soon, CONCACAF Champions League will be underway. So once again, thanks to my guests. I hope all of you will be doing well, and I just want to say thank you again for joining me tonight. This has been the NPSL Soccer Show on the Foyerstein Spire American Soccer Show. Good evening, take care so long, enjoy your football, and have a good night, everybody. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye for now.